As mature believers, we should know how to live demon-free, not just how to cast a demon out. We should learn how to live demon-free. You know that's possible. Don't you tell me that it's not possible. Don't you tell me that God who says you're a pure, perfect, pure stream because of Christ in you, that it's not possible to do the will of God? to do the will of God fully and wholeheartedly. Don't you tell me that it's not possible. You better believe it's possible because Christ died to set you free and to cause you to walk on fire all the days of your life, not just some of them. The Bible is clear that casting out demons is definitely biblical. We know that. And, and every believer should do this. And we've we see this modeled all the time, and we talk about this. So I think everybody here should know that this is an elementary teaching. I, I believe it's a basic teaching. Mark 16, 17 tells us very, very clearly that these are the signs that will follow believers. Let's not let this topic be that of hype because it is and was modeled by our Lord Jesus Christ. He consistently cast out demons, right? Therefore, we should too. But what I believe is more important is, is that we graduate. Say, I'm graduating to living a life without being under the influence of a demon. I'm graduating. You've graduated. Say, today, I graduate to living a life not under the influence of a demon. So we're not going to be deceived into looking to cast out a demon as if it's like some prize that now we have attained. See, when you live right for Christ, you don't need to go looking for a demon, and you don't even need to be praying for God to send you someone that you can cast a demon out. I know you may think this is crazy, but trust me, I hear people telling me this. That shows you the hype in their mind. That shows you that they actually have forgotten first love. Like, come on. Like, we're going to focus on Jesus and be so filled with the love of God and the power of God that when a demon shows up in your presence because you're so filled with G Jesus, that that demon starts to shake in your presence, starts to tremble in your presence because it recognizes you're not impressed. If you're impressed by the shaking and the manifestations of a, of, of a demon, then we've got a problem. Of course, if you're fearful of it, we also have a problem, right? If you're fearful of it if, or if you're impressed, I don't care which side of the spectrum that you're on. If you think you're so great and you're like, oh, yeah, look how great I am, we have a problem. Your focus is not on Jesus anymore. And we have to have our focus on Jesus, the giver of life. Amen? When you truly love people, you'll love them to life. And, you'll and if a demon was to present itself, which it does all the time, but when it does, you love that person so much that you, your focus is on, is on bringing that per person up and out of the pit instead of looking at how great you are for casting out the spirit. So instead, we need to live our lives that are so yielded to the Spirit of God, knowing His power is in us. And there is nothing that I need other than what He's already given me, and He's given me the fullness, His fullness. He's given you His fullness. Amen? And so you need to be able to discern and see what it is that's going on and live your life sold out to Jesus Christ, filled with the power of God. Ephesians, and in chapter 4, verse 14 and 15. 
And it says this here, because maturity is needed. That's what's needed, maturity and fro. Okay. We should no longer be children tossed to and fro, carried about with every wind of doctrine. Oh, there are a lot of winds of doctrines that are being spewed even from the pulpits today. So it says, no longer are you going to be a child. No longer are you going to be tossed to and fro, carried about with every wind of doctrine and, and the trickery of men in the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting. But speak the truth in love. And when you speak the truth in love, that you may grow up. That means you may mature. God is saying, I want you to mature. Church of God is saying, I want you to be mature, that you may grow up in all things. See, I'm growing up in all things today. I'm growing up in all things. I'm growing up in all things unto him who is the head, which is Christ, right? So number one, we see here, God wants us to walk as mature believers. And maturity is needed as one that is going to walk in the, in the purity of God's calling in your life, right? So 1 Timothy chapter 1 and in verse 18 and in verse 19, 18 and 19, it says, learn to wage, learn to wage a good warfare. Say, I know how to wage a good warfare and I'm not shrinking back. So learn to wage a good warfare, having faith and a good conscience. When you have faith and a good conscience, it says having faith and a good conscience, with some, which some have rejected concerning the faith and have suffered shipwreck. Wage a good warfare. Have faith and a good conscience. Don't find yourself shipwrecked. What is he talking about? He's saying, listen, I want you to keep the first things first. I want you to keep your heart wholly devoted to me. I want you to know that the power that I've already given you doesn't wane. It doesn't leave. I don't take it back. It's there. It's present. It's for you. But I want you to keep the first things first in your everyday. Live like Christ. Love like Christ. And when you do, your life will resemble Christ's, right? When we live, when we love, when we walk as him, your life will actually literally resemble him. And you'll see all the things that he has told you to do, but it just won't be with hype. It just won't be with immaturity. Because when that's the focus, you're going to be shipwrecked. The day will come. If you don't shift and change your focus, you're going to be shipwrecked. The minute that you think you've arrived, you better sit yourself down and say, it's time that we have a little talk, Holy Ghost and me, because we need to do some repenting. Because I'm telling you right now, Satan is crafty. And he wants the focus. He wants your focus. We're not giving it to him. We know deliverance is the children's bread. We know we have authority to cast out demons and to heal the sick, and we do that all the time. We just don't highlight it. Like I've told you before, you're not going to see me put a reel out there with somebody that's screaming on the top of their lungs getting delivered. I'm not doing it because it lacks integrity in my mind. It lacks integrity. We don't need to do that. For what? And so I, you need to realize, listen, this is the walk of every believer. It should be the walk, and it is. It really, really is for those that are going to take the word of God and take it seriously. If you were to focus on 1 Timothy and 2 Timothy, you would, you would see so many different scriptures. We're going to go through some of them right now. So many different scriptures of traps to avoid. Okay, 1 Timothy 1.3. It says here, number one, listen to correct doctrine. 
Do you know that how important it is to listen to correct doctrine? It says here, I urge you, as when I went to Macedonia, return and re remain in Ephesus, that you may charge some that they teach no other doctrine. Listen to correct doctrine, will you? Make sure. Another one, avoid idle talk and those who practice. 1 Timothy 1.6. Avoid idle talk. Idle. Idle. We're not to be idle. That's, that's, it's empty. In other words, it's nervous talk. Avoid conversations that are leading nowhere. It's a sure trap. It's a sure trap to destruction. There's nothing good that's going to come of this. Right? So avoid it. Avoid idle talk. 1 Timothy 4, 1 and 2. Take heed. Listen to this. Some will depart from the faith, giving heed to deceiving spirits and doctrines of demons. Oh, I'm going to read this again. 1 Timothy chapter 4. And in verse 1 and 2, it says, Now the Spirit expressly says that in latter times some will depart from the faith. Some will depart. Le giving heed, in other words, listening to, deceiving spirits and doctrines of demons. Listen, we're going to be balanced in this church. We believe in the full gospel of Jesus Christ. Absolutely. But we're balanced in this church. Giving heed dece to deceiving spirits and doctrines of demons. There are some that are going to teach and preach, even this day, doctrines of demons. And you've got to know the difference. Speaking lies and hypocrisy, having their own conscience seared with a hot iron. That's the only way that they can do the things that they're doing is because their conscience is seared with a hot iron. To the point to where they, they don't recognize it's even sin because of the walls that have been put up. 1 Timothy 6, 10, it says the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. All kinds of evil, the love of money. 2 Timothy 1, 7, don't give in to fear. We know that fear doesn't come from the Lord, right? We know that we know perfect love casts out fear, but he says that the spirit of fear, he says, I haven't given it to you. I've only given you power, love, and a sound mind, not the spirit of fear. So these are, these are things to avoid. Anytime fear starts to come around, it's a spirit of fear, and God says it's not coming from me. Instead, you're to cast that thing out and shut it up and, and command it to go. 2 Timothy 2 and 3. It says, endure hardship. Endure hardship as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. You might say, how, how is that avoiding a pitfall? How is that avoiding a pitfall? Because you're going to be a good soldier, and you're going to realize that persecution comes to the godly, but God's just going to deliver you out of them all. You're going to realize that as a good soldier, you're not going to be afraid of a little persecution, and you're not going to be running and saying every single thing is a demon and giving de the demons credit when they shouldn't have never had it in the first place. Because that's what happens. Everybody starts, everything is a demon. Everything is a demon. How about some of the things is you learning to discipline your life and walking as a mature saint and not one that's crying and whining as a two-year-old little kid? Right? And so we have to grow up in the faith, being mature in the things, being able to discern. The Bible says to discern the times, so to discern the seasons. We're to discern where we are at today and stand, stand strong in truth. The word of God is truth. When you do that, you don't give the enemy credit to where he really should not have had any. That's how that fits, as some of you were wondering. Don't be entangled with the affairs of life. 2 Timothy uh, 2.4. Do not be entangled with the affairs of this life. Oh, so many things going on right now in life, right? So many crazy things. But the Bible tells us not to become entangled. If you are entangled, you're caught in a web. 
Do not be entangled. Don't be caught. Don't be caught up in it. Don't let it have your emotions. Don't let it have your mind. If it's causing you to have all this fear and frustration, it's probably a good time to step back right now. It's probably a good time to start praising God. If, it's, if the news is causing you or whatever the news, the headlines that you read or whatever it is, what you see on Facebook, and maybe that's your news, but whatever it might be, you know, and if it's causing you to have all this entanglement, then maybe it's time to step back and say, you know what, Lord Jesus, it's time to praise my way through this. It's time to make sure I don't get entangled. Do not become entangled with this world. Instead, we've signed up to give God all the glory and to be the fullness of Christ in us, that to allow his fullness to come through. 2 Timothy 3 says, perilous times will come and men will be lovers of themselves. And I want to go to 2 Timothy and in chapter 3. Because I want to read to you verses 1 through 9. It says, but know this, that in the last days, perilous times will come. So we, we know we're in the last days. We know we've been in the last days. For men will be lovers of themselves. Well, we see that all the time. We see that everywhere. Lovers of money, boasters, proud, blasphemers, blasphemers disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, unloving, unforgiving, slanders, without self-control. Brutal, despisers of good, traitors, headstrong, haughty, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying its power. Wait, what? Wait, having a form? He just listed, the, the word just listed all kinds of stuff that none of you would want to associate with. Oh, I don't do that. Oh, I don't do that. Oh, no, no, no. Must be talking about the world. No, actually, having a form of godliness but denying its power, and from such people turn away. You need to know who you're partnering yourself with. Your circles should be smaller than they were the year before. And stop complaining that they're smaller. It's by design. God is going to set his people in the land of Goshen, and it may not be a whole lot of people, but I'll tell you what, it's a whole lot of power because Christ with you. Christ in you. See, God always has his consecrated few, his select, and his elect. And he says, I've called you to be the consecrated ones, the set-apart ones. And when you focus on pleasing God, let me tell you, he will take care of the rest. But he said here, I'm going to repeat this. There's a whole long line of list here. Lovers of, them, of themselves, you know, boasters, disobedient, um, out of control, you know, um, haughty, headstrong, none of which we want to associate with. But then it says, having a form of godliness but denying his power. Having a form. Do you not know that happens all the time today? Even in some place, some churches, having a form of godliness, but it's denying its power. But God sees through that. And if you're going to live right for Christ, and if you're going to make sure your life is lived so that, yes, when an assignment of the enemy comes up, you're ready to tackle it. But you're not living a life void of God's power. You're not living in a form of godliness. You're living in godliness. We need to live in godliness. So that means you need to set your step every day according to the word of God. That means that you need to say, you know what, today I choose Christ. Today I choose Christ. Today I choose to serve him. Today I choose to worship him. Today I choose to give him glory. And I'm not going to allow my emotions to take way and have their way in my life. I choose to be one that is a hilarious, radical worshiper of the most high God. And so it says, for of this sort, verse 6. For of this sort are those who creep into households and make captives of gullible women loaded down with sins, led away by various lusts. The, he's talking about, 
about Christians, people. He, he's, he's talking to, to the Christians. And so if you think that you, this doesn't apply to you ever, you know, wake up, people. We have to wake up and realize we are to keep our lives pure in truth. So it says, verse 6, I'm rereading it. For, for of this sort are those who creep into households. What sort? The list I just read you. Those that are a form of godliness but deny its power. They're creeping into households. They're creeping into households. They're creeping into your households through television. They're creeping into your households through, through TV, through, through music, through newspaper, whatever. They're creeping into your household through people, through guests, through children. They're creeping into your households. Don't let it. Say, not on my watch. It's not creeping into my household. But see, it was creeping into some of their households. That's why the warning was given. But when we safeguard our life because we recognize, oh, no, not on my watch, then it's not going to creep into your household. Say, it's not creeping in my household. I won't let it. I recognize the signs. The reason that they have to continue to kick out demons is because they weren't guarding the door. Amen? Do I get a witness here? Amen. But see, this is, this is called, to me, a Christian life is a militant life. It's a disciplined life. A disciplined, militant life. And it needs to be. So that you know how to worship and when to worship and how to war and, and when to war. And how to do both at the same time sometimes. So it says, creeping into homes and deceiving gullible women. Loaded down with sins away and being led away by various lusts. Always learning and never able to come to the knowledge of truth. Don't be wowed by people that can wow you with their Bible knowledge or their history or whatever it might be. Always learning but never ever coming to truth. What is truth? God is truth. What is truth? God is truth. Right? His word is truth. Everything else is a lie. The lie that you must be looking for and casting out demons all the time and that this is the talk of the town is a distraction. It's a distraction. I mean, if you were in a church that this was never taught on and it never was happening, okay, then we probably need to teach on that and see it modeled, but that's not the case. But I'm here to tell you, because this is a five-fold ministry church and we believe in all the gifts, and you see them operating, that it's a distraction for some people when that's all the focus and the talk. And because, because the Lord has set me as that to preach at this church and to be the one that's going to bring forth the word, the Lord is saying... Make sure that you tell your people it's a distraction. The, it's become a hype to some people. Don't you notice how we downplay it? Every opportunity and in every way that we can, we downplay it. In other words, we don't ignore it and we don't, and we don't not do it. We take care of it. But we don't, we're not going to give that devil center stage. We're not going to give him center stage. Oh, he always wants center stage. But we're not giving him center stage because he's an invader, right? He, he's a foreigner, shouldn't have been here in the first place. So we kick him out the best we can, and we kick him out as fast as we can, and we give God the glory, and we continue worshiping our God. And that's, and that's what we need to do is continue to worship our God. So I'm just trying to, call, I'm just trying to get everybody to live in a balanced way, in a mature way. That, that's my point here today. I want, I want us all to live in a balanced, mature way. Okay, Matthew 15, 21 through 28. Because this is where it talks about, this is one of the places it talks about the deliverance is being children, children's bread. Okay, it says, then Jesus went 
from there and departed to the region of Tyre and Sidon. And behold, a woman of Canaan came from that region and cried out to him, saying, Have mercy on me, O Lord, son of David. My daughter is severely demon-possessed. Okay, the daughter wasn't there, but the daughter was severely demon-possessed. And he answered her, not a word. He didn't answer because he didn't feel the need to answer at that point. His disciples came and urged him, saying, send her away. She's a nuisance. She cries out after us, send her away. But Jesus, at that point, answered. And he said, I was not sent except to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. And then she came and worshipped him and said, Lord, help me. Lord, this is a mother that had a daughter that was severely demonized. Lord, help me. But he answered and he said, it is not good to take the children's bread and throw it to the little dogs. And she said, yes, Lord, but even the little dogs eat the crumbs which fall from their master's table. And Jesus answered and said, woman, your faith is great. Let it be done unto you as you desire. And her daughter was healed at that very hour. The daughter wasn't present, but the mother had great faith. And even though Jesus said that deliverance, it's like the children's bread, deliverance, because that's what she was asking for. Her daughter was severely possessed. Her daughter was demonized. Her daughter needed to be healed. Her daughter needed to be delivered. And so the children's bread, that means uh, that God is saying for each and every one of you, when you are encountering something like this, it's your it's your right to cast that thing. It's your right. It's, it's a God-given right. But, but don't get so excited and don't put it above Jesus. Don't put it above worshiping God. Don't put it about, above living a life that's disciplined and a life that's submitted to Christ. Don't put it above any of that. Because you know there's many places in Scripture that we could go to that talk about casting out demons. But, you know, we don't need to continue to go to the same because we've gone to them in the past. But, I, but right now, what I want to tell you is, is that your effectiveness in casting out demons, which is for every believer to cast out a demon, but your effectiveness in casting that demon out is going to depend upon your walk of obedience and the person's willingness. Your effectiveness is going to be determined by your walk of obedience. So instead of trying to become this person that could cast out demons, how about trying to and become or, or focusing on becoming one that walks obediently? Because when you walk obediently with the Lord, then guess what? Your effectiveness in casting out demons is already there. It's provided for you. Because it's the power of God in you. Because your focus is right. Your heart is right. And when your heart and your focus is right, then get, the, the demon's afraid of you. He's afraid of you. He knows, oh boy, I see, I sense, I smell authority. That girl wasn't even present. That young girl in the story I just read to you with the daughter. The daughter wasn't even present, but yet the demon was cast out. Why? Because of authority. Jesus spoke that truth and the woman's faith to receive. The woman's faith to receive. So when you just focus, I'm going to worship Jesus. I'm going to get in his word. I'm going to stay in his word. I'm going to be obedient to his word. And I'm going to know that, oh, you better believe I cast out demons. You better believe that, that, that the Lord, you know, uses me to heal the sick. You better believe it. I'm talking to all of you right now. You better believe it. It's just not the focus of my life. My focus is I love Jesus and I'm going to worship him and I'm going to decree that he is, he was and is and is to come and nothing will ever change of his word. 
word. So don't be seduced by people who pride themselves on casting out demons. So your effectiveness in casting out demons is also dependent upon your walk of obedience, like I said, and the person's willingness, like I said, and you doing the will of God no matter what the response, whatever the outcome may be. Go to Matthew 13 and in 58. It says, now he did not do many miracles, many mighty miracles there because of their unbelief. But when you back up a little bit, you see that Jesus was rejected at Nazareth. But Jesus is the deliverer, right? He is the deliverer. In other words, you're not the deliverer. You may be able to cast a demon out, but you're not the deliverer. He is the deliverer. And yet he was still rejected. So when you walk truly purely before God in this way, and there is rejection even from your own closest family, those that are, then you are in good company because it same happened with Jesus, but you're going to stand firm and not allow that to get you down. See, it goes on here. It says, you know, isn't this, the, look at verse 55. Is, is this not the carpenter's son? They're trying to make common what God calls holy. He says, isn't this the carpenter's son? They're like, you know, he's Jesus. Oh, isn't this just the just? Isn't this the carpenter's son? Isn't he like regular like everybody else? You're not normal. You're not regular. You're Holy Ghost filled. You're radical for Jesus and you're on fire. They look at Jesus and they're like, he's, isn't he the carpenter's son? Isn't Mary his mother? And then he goes, isn't, aren't these his brothers? Lists them all. Aren't these not his sisters? Where then did this man get all these things? Don't you know that as you are in the anointed service like this, and as you continue to be, and as you in your own quiet time in the Lord, that you seek him, and that the more that the anointing grows in your life, that your own family says, where did that person come from? Who are they now? I don't get them. I can't understand them. How do they get that kind of power? I see eyes rolling. I see I, I see shoulders shrugging. I say, yeah, I know. See, and some of you thought it was a rejection towards you. Well, it might have been, but they're rejecting Christ first. They're rejecting Christ first. And they hear that you do what? You, you cast out demons. And they get uncomfortable. And, they, and then that people are getting saved and getting healed, and they get comfortable. Why? Why can't you just be normal like the rest of the Christians? No. Those Christians are half dead. No. I, no, we're not going to be normal. If that's what normal is, I don't want it. I'm living a life on fire for Christ. And you know what? I don't care if it looks weird or radical because I know my focus is on Jesus. But look at verse 57. So they were offended at him. What did he do? Well, they looked at him, and they looked at his life. So they're looking at you, and they're looking at your life, and they're offended because you're too radical, because you don't fit the mold, because you, you do cast demons out, because you do, because you do pray for the sick. You do expect them to get healed. But Jesus said to them something, and I want every one of you to take courage in this. He says, a prophet is not without honor, except in his own country and in his own house. And in Mark 6, 5, it says, and it amongst his own relatives. And that's where it hurts. That's where it hurts, right? A prophet is not without honor. That doesn't mean every one of you are a prophet, but it does mean that the anointing on your life, that the anointing on your life is not without honor. So in other words, the anointing on your life in your hometown, in your, with your relatives, there will be a lack of honor for many. Verse 5, now he could do no mighty work there except that he laid hands on a few sick people and healed them. And he marveled because of their unbelief, and they went about villages in a circuit and, and teaching. God. Their so, dishonor caused them to not believe, which caused the power of God to stop. 
That's why you can pray for all these different people at church and out and about, at work and every place else. But when it comes to your own mother or your own father, wall. Or maybe a son or a daughter, wall. So a lack of honor, a lack of respecting and understanding that leads to a lack of of uh, an unbelief, leads to unbelief, which then that leads to them not receiving. But you need to keep on going. You need to keep on, you don't stop there because you didn't sign up to please people. You signed up to please God.